this is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. Together, we're learning how to make marriage and love better. If this podcast is a blessing to you, consider sharing it with a friend. For notes and references to this episode, visit fixeruppermarriage.org slash romance. Romance is the fuel that feeds the flames of passion and love. Romance is the yearning of the young heart and the ambition of the aged. Romance is the key that turns the lock of loneliness and liberates the secrets of the soul. Listen in as we uncover the mystery of romance from the pages of the Bible. in Ephesians 5 and Genesis chapter 2. If you have your Bible, if not, you just have to listen. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 31. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the privilege to be here tonight. I pray that you would help us as we present this thought that's on our heart. Pray that you would speak to every heart this year. We ask these things in your name. Amen. In the beginning, God took the dust of the ground and he shaped the body of a man and breathed into him this incredible breath of life. And then from from man, God made one of his most intriguing creations. He made woman. And together they made this amazing union. They became husband and wife. This is a match that's defined by the most powerful emotions ever known to man. Love, passion, in romance. And so it began, a story began in a perfect way. It was completed in Christ. It's a perfect, when he fulfilled all these emotions as he gave his life for us on the cross and he saves us from hell. So tonight I'd like to speak on this subject, the mystery of romance, the mystery of romance. First of all, the mystery in the pursuit of romance. The pursuit of romance in creation, we see it in the creation story as we read in Genesis chapter 2. Now, in creating man, God created man and he created him as he lived on this earth. And when he created him, something was realized and that was loneliness. I mean, God's even said, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a help meet for him. So God looked down from heaven at his creation of man and he said, It's not good that he's alone, this emotion that it's created. He has a sense of loneliness, and so God sought to fix this, and he fixed this as he made, as he created a woman. God put Adam to sleep, and from his rib he made a new creature. And when his eyes eyes woke up, the first thing he saw, he saw Eve, one of the most beautiful creations that God had ever made, and he became vulnerable immediately to Eve. She was someone that he could share his life with, that he could be companion with her, and they could share everything together. God, the great great creator, put them together. They would become best friends. They would get to share every moment of life together. 
Adam now had a person to care for, a person he could know like no one else. He could know in the world an intimate way, his wife that God had given him. And in one creative act, God solved this problem in Adam's life, this problem of loneliness. And you know, nevertheless, the devil tries to deceive us in the area of marriage. He tries to, even though God has created this incredible thing, God invented the amazing thing of marriage, but the devil tries to sell us cheap imitations of what God created in marriage, the holiness and the beautiful beauty that he designed in marriage. You know, there's this deception today of living together without a lifetime commitment of marriage. There was a recent study done by the National Council on Family Relations, and it confirmed what many other studies have been saying. This is just the most recent one. It was published in uh, January of 2019. This confirmed what everybody's been saying, what all the studies have been. And what we all know, if we read the Bible, right, that couples who cohabit before they're married, when they get married, they're more likely to be divorced. We could save the studies a lot of time, right, if they would just read their Bible. And that's the way it works out. If people would just read the Bible, they wouldn't have to spend all this time doing all these studies. But we know the truth, don't we? Also, the Bible clearly takes a stand against sexual activity outside of marriage. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. So the devil invented a cheap imitation of what God designed from the beginning. When a man and a woman commit to each other for life, it's something that God designed, something that God created, and the devil has cheap deceptions for that. And now how about this deception that's so prevalent today, the idea of same-sex marriage. I mean, how cheap of an imitation is that? It doesn't fit at all. It doesn't work. It's not the way God designed marriage. But today it's being promoted. This sin, it's a sinful lifestyle. And the devil has done this. He's promoted it. He's pushed it so hard. Do you know why? Because it destroys the picture of marriage that God created. He created this beautiful picture of a man and his wife. And so the devil wants to destroy that more than, more than anything because it paints such a beautiful picture of the gospel. And we'll see that in just a few minutes. Society wants us to accept it as normal behavior. But listen to what God says about it. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, listen to this, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 and 10, a deception that the devil has put forth to try to ruin something beautiful that God has made. And how about the deception that is in the addictive nature of pornography? You know, according to CovenantEyes.com, get this, 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women watch pornography at least once per month. And I guess that would just be the people that admitted to it. I think it's a bigger problem than what we realize what it is, but it's a cheap replacement that the devil has put in our minds, in our hearts today, it is everywhere, everywhere we look. In Genesis chapter 2, God created this beautiful, holy relationship, but it's being neglected and replaced by things that are ugly and filthy today. And God is not pleased with these things. And God created passion and God created desire. God created romance. He made that between, to be between a man and a woman who are, who are married. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 27. You have heard it was said of them of old time. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But Jesus said, but I say unto you 
that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already in his heart. So we see that Jesus was against what so many people are so wrapped up in and it's so addictive and it catches so many people. It gets them trapped in this terrible sin that the devil is just a cheap replacement, isn't it? God made something beautiful. God made something awesome. God made something great. But the devil, he wants to mess it up. And you'll see why in just a few moments. So God made this thing and God gave Adam Eve. And from the moment he laid eyes on her, he had someone that he could give flowers to, right? I'm sure it wasn't long before he figured out that Eve liked flowers. And he went and he found the best flowers that he could find. And I'm sure it wasn't long until he figured out that Eve liked to hear sweet things, right? So he said the sweetest things he could possibly say to Eve. And then he tried to hold her the tenderest ways that he could because romance was born into the world because God had created it. God created this. The pursuit of romance in life. You know, we all reach the age when things change. You know what? I don't remember the age I was, but my mother, she used to do this crazy haircut on me. She did a bowl cut. You remember the bowl cuts from the 80s? I mean, it looked like in my pictures that they put a bowl on top of my head and just trimmed around it. And I don't know when it happened, but you can see it in the pictures that somewhere along the way I discovered hair gel. And really, I didn't really care what my hair looked like, but I wanted to impress the girls at school, right? Something had changed. All those girls that had cooties before. Now I want to look nice. Now, no, mom, I need L.A. looks hair gel. I have to have hair gel. I have to make my hair look nice and I have to wear nice tennis shoes now. It's just, and it, it changes. And then you see the, the girls, you know, they start writing their name and they put the last name of the boys who are in their class, right? They say, what's it, does this sound right? How does this sound? I remember my sister doing that, just different boys in the church. I wonder what this sound, what would my name would sound like with, with this, if this were my last name. But things start to change. And then you have your first crush. I mean, a lot of times, Boys, we start to get a certain age and we get a crush on our teacher. I remember we all had a crush on one of our teachers in school. And then the girls, you know, they're trying to write their names at their boy. And then the pursuit of love begins. You start to dream about getting married and having a life together and what things will be like and who you'll marry. You know, I really feel bad for our kids today. You know, you have your first relationship. I feel bad for the kids today because now it's on social media. So you can't take any of this stuff back. I'm like, I hope that this girl's boyfriend doesn't look back on her Instagram account because she loved the last three boys she talked to. I mean, it's crazy. I feel so bad for him. At least, at least the crush that I had on my teacher. Nobody knows. Nobody knows about it. Now it's all over social media and everybody knows. But I feel bad. The pursuit of romance, you know, we, we, we go through life and things begin to change. In the pursuit of love, you finally, that day finally comes and you meet that one, right? The day you dreamed about getting married and you finally meet the one and you fall hopelessly in love and you start, what, what do we do? We write love letters, right? And we send gifts. We pursue, I pursued my wife. I saw her. I liked the way she looked. I wanted to get to know her. And so I wrote letters. I gave gifts. I tried to look my best for her. The pursuit is to win the love of the person you're interested in. What you want to do is get your person you're interested in to make a decision, right? You want her to make that decision. When you finally pop the question, I wanted her to say yes. And so I pursued her because when I asked her to marry me, I wanted her to say yes. I wanted to hear those words. And I did hear that when I asked her. She said yes. And so we had this big wedding planned. And then the romantic wedding day finally arrives. And you 
exchange wedding vows and rings and you give each other your hearts. And love is this romantic pursuit that ends in an incredible covenant with each other. And it's a type of an even greater covenant. It's a type of a covenant between Christ and a believing sinner. The covenant that we have, the pursuit of romance for sinners. You know, Christ is engaged in the pursuit of love for poor, undeserving sinners, isn't he? He left the splendors of heaven to pursue a love for you and a love for me. You know, just like a caring father would ask for the intentions of a suitor for his daughter. His intentions are clear as he pursues us with love and kindness and affection. He pursues us, doesn't he? His question echoes just like on a bended knee when I asked my wife, will you marry me? It's like he asked us, will you be mine? Can I have your heart? Will you give me you? That's what I asked my wife. I didn't say those words, but that's what Jesus is asking us. So he pursues us. Here it is love. The Bible says not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's first John four in verse number 10. It was all in his pursuit. When I think about how good he is to me, it was in the pursuit that he had for me. And he would desire someone like me. He would offer all the benefits of being his. I remember when I bought my wife her engagement ring and I was so happy. I had that thing and I showed it to my parents and I showed it to my pastor at the time. And we were all so excited. I was going to go pop the question, but I had spent my hard earned money on this engagement ring. And that's the way it is with us. He offers the best that he has. It's amazing that God would offer someone like me the best that he has. He's like, if you will love me, if you'll be mine, I will give you the best that I have. I will give you, if you'll give me you, I will give you everything that I have. And that's what Jesus has done for us, isn't it? It was all in his pursuit when I consider his gifts, his way of showing his love. You know, just like the cards and the flowers and the letters and the time were all spent with one goal in mind, right? It was so that she would say yes, It's so that I could be with her. And that's the way it is with the Lord. He spends so much effort and so much time. All the time he spent wooing me, I think about all the times that I had a chance. All the time that he let me hear the gospel before I finally said yes. But he kept wooing me. He kept trying to get me. He gives me letters to read. Write his letter, right? His letter. He gives me his letter to read. He went after me just as hard as he could because he loved me. He pursued me. And that's where that romance comes from that he invented. It's a great mystery, but buried in the meaning of marriage is a story of the pursuit of the gospel, how Jesus pursues us, how he's pursuing me and pursuing you. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. We all know that verse, Romans 5, 6, but not only the mystery of pursuit, but the mystery and the problems of romance, the mystery in the problems In Genesis chapter 3, the happily ever after in Adam and Eve was short-lived as we read about the fall of man. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, the Bible says this, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Despite everything that God had done for these two, despite the fact that God had put them together, Eve made a terrible mistake. And there was a problem in the romance that they had. You know, despite his indisputable love for us, we have this propensity for failure, don't we? 
We slip up all the time. Marriage, you know what? Marriage is filled with mistakes and failures that we all made. Eve made a mess. She failed to live up to the expectations of her husband. She gave in to her sinful nature, and we all do this sometimes. And there's sometimes we make mistakes, and our spouse lives with us, and they see us, they know us better than anyone else in the world, and sometimes we make mistakes, and they're embarrassing. They're shameful, and they're hurtful. And our spouse knows these mistakes that we make. But you know, our mistakes have a silver lining. Adam and Eve learned of the joy of forgiveness and healing from the Lord, didn't they? They learned something that they never would have known otherwise, the joy of being forgiven and the healing that comes from knowing Him in His forgiveness. As Eve, I'm sure Eve thought, I've really messed up this time. I have really disappointed. But something incredible happened in this story. Adam went with her. She made the mistake. Listen to this. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 14, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Adam was not deceived. He was not tricked. She took the fruit and he willingly took it. He went with her in her failure. It is a story of the gospel in an unbelievable act of forgiveness and love as Adam went with full knowledge knowing of the consequences that would occur. It's a love that prompts us to stay together no matter what. And it paints an unmistakable scene of the love that Christ has for the church. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who, guess what? Knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. The problem of family in romance. In Genesis chapter 4, and Adam knew Eve's wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bears brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a till of the ground. And in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground and offering unto the Lord. They were in love. They were together. And Eve had babies. And everything changed. All these things occurred in these chapters of Genesis in just a few verses. Now they have babies and now they're growing up and now things have changed. And that's the way it is when we have babies. It's like everything just speeds up. It's like, what happened? What happened with the time? I mean, we had a baby and she's 13. What happened? Time just moves in. Fast forward. Romantic evenings are replaced with exhausted evenings from childcare, right? <laughs> Romantic thoughts turn into stressful ones, right? It changes everything. Kids are great for family, not so great for marriage. <laughs> you know what? You have to learn to juggle your priorities. Two become three. And then three become four or more. I mean, it just multiplies. Everyday struggles make your pursuit of love more challenging. In Genesis chapter 4, a happy family is broken by sin. In verse number 8, we read here, Then Cain talked with Abel's brother, and it came to pass... When they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him in Genesis 4, verse 8. You know what? Life can throw unexpected things at us. And here Adam and Eve lost both their sons. And just one event happened and it just changed everything. You can hinder your pursuit of each other. You know, my wife and I, we were first got married and we were really, really, I mean, we were ignorant. I mean, just to be honest, we were both virgins and we were ignorant and we had a baby right off. I mean, it, we hadn't been married for very long. And my wife said, 
we're going to have a baby. And I was shocked. You know, how did this happen? Wait a minute. What's going on here? This is like I'm here with a truck. I mean, what in the world just happened? But you know what? Our first child was stillborn. It didn't end very well for us. You, don't, you never know what life is going to throw at you in your marriage. We went to the hospital with all the other expecting couples, but we left with nothing. It was hurt. It hurt in times hurt. It's in these times that your faith in God is really put to the test. You know, your faith is not measured when you're up on the mountaintop and everything's going great. Oh, I believe God. Everything's going great. We're praising the Lord and everything's fine. Your faith is measured when you're down the valley and things are not so well. That's when it's hard to trust God. That's when you have to trust God. That's when you have to put faith in him. But the mystery of pursuit, the mystery of the problems in romance, but the mystery in the purpose of romance, the mystery in the purpose. In Genesis chapter two, God had a higher purpose in mind when he created marriage. I mean, clearly he was helping Adam. I mean, Adam has some issues and he said, look, it's not good for a man to be alone. He's lonely. Let me make him help that's meet for him. And he made him Eve, this beautiful creation. But there was something else going on there. God was looking forward into the future. This wasn't just about Adam and Eve. This was about redemption's plan. God was looking for an old rugged cross. God was looking at Christ and the church when he made the bond of marriage. It's such a beautiful picture. Now do you see one of the devil? He just wants to destroy that because it's the picture that God created. He painted this beautiful picture of the gospel with marriage and the devil absolutely hates it. He hates love and marriage when it's done the right way. He hates it. But your marriage is about the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not about making you happy it's about the story of redemption to this lost and dying world. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Ephesians 5, 25. This is a mystery, Paul said. That marriage and love is really about the story of redemption. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the eternal God with a message of hope and forgiveness and eternal life. For God, so you know this verse, right? For God so loved the world. How about that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We can all quote it, right? That whosoever believeth in him should what? Should not perish, but have everlasting life. What is it? John 3, 16. God so loved the world. It's a story. It's a story of romance. But it's not just a story of romance like we think of romance. It's a story of a romance of Christ in the church of Christ giving himself for us. The purpose of reproducing in romance. Listen to this. So God created man in his own image. This is from Genesis chapter 1. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Maybe someone should tell us, maybe we should make this plain. Male and female created he them. <laughs> and God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. God said, okay, I put you together. Now I want you to make children. I want you to replenish the earth. You know, we say that first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes the baby carriage, right? So God puts a couple together and God put Adam and Eve together. And he says, I want you to go and I want you to replenish the earth. I want you to populate the earth with these children that you're going to have. God designed 
God designed marriage to produce more creatures in his image. It's like God made Adam in his image, right? And God's desire was there to be more creatures in his image, for them to have more kids in his image. And romance produces children, right? It produces babies. Now, we could go into more detail, right? But we don't want to do that. But romance produces babies. You find that out once you get married. Yes, romance produces babies. The purpose of repeating in romance that God, a healthy relationship with the Lord, listen to this, a healthy marriage produces babies, right? We all know that. If you're in love and you're romanced and you're, you're pursuing each other, what happens is uh, science 101, right? Babies happen. When you have a healthy relationship with the Lord, guess what happens? You produce more creatures created in His image. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Jesus said to his disciples, what was his final instructions? What was so important right before he left this earth? What, what instructions did he leave? Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You know what? When we are right with him, when we are really right with the Lord, and we have the right kind of faith in him, the gospel is propagated into this world. It's his intention that there be more people created in his image. A new creatures in his image. But when we're not right with him, it just doesn't happen, does it? Just like a marriage, you know what? We're not right with each other. There's not going to be any babies, right? There's not going to be any romance. If you're not right with the Lord, it's not going to be any babies. You know, I think God might do more if we just believe that he would. You know, the gospel hasn't changed at all, has it? Would anyone say, well, the gospel has lost its power? The gospel just can't do what it used to do. The gospel just can't. No, it hasn't lost anything. But when we have a weak, puny relationship with the Lord, no wonder we have no babies. In the latter part of Genesis chapter 4, everything in this first love story in the Bible came all the way around first circle. Listen to this. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God, said she, had appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, listen to this, and to Seth, to him also there was born a son. Now there's grandbabies. And he called his name Enos. Then began man to call upon the name of the Lord. It came full circle. God's design for marriage came all the way around. And there were people in his image, so much so that men began to call upon the name of the Lord. The mystery of romance is a story of redemption, grace, and the church. It's a mystery in the pursuit. There's a mystery in the problems. And there's a mystery in the purpose. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you that you created the amazing, the incredible institution of marriage and his Adam who experienced loneliness for the first time that anyone has ever experienced loneliness in the Garden of Eden. That You put him to sleep and when he awoke, you fulfilled all that in his mate and you showed him what it was like 
to experience this incredible relationship with his spouse. Lord, we're thankful for the marriage relationship, but we're more thankful for the picture that you painted with that. And that we know that all those years ago when you invented marriage, it wasn't just marriage you were inventing. It was a plan to save all of mankind who were willing to repent, who were willing to say yes to you, who were willing to give themselves to you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be ambassadors for you. May we work to propagate your gospel because we understand how important it is. And may our relationship with you be so striving. May we be in such pursuit of you that we have babies, that we find new creatures for you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen.